Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 54. Again, I am getting over my cold, Kyle Gold. And I am cannot believe we just wasted the last forty-seven minutes, Cam Hirosaki. I know, seriously. <laughs> I know. We'll have to give Kit hell for this one. God, it's like one in the morning now, and like my jaws are so tired. Yeah, you all missed. Not, you all missed like the great on-air blowjob I gave. I, I was going to say that's not the first time you've uttered those words. <laughs> Especially not um, on mic where nobody will ever hear it because the episode's gone forever. Yeah, it's a pity about that. Yeah. And the blowjob wasn't to me. I should oh, no. point out. Oh no! If if if, if Kyle had gotten a blowjob, he wouldn't sound nearly so composed right now. I'd probably be a little more relaxed, actually. Or do I sound pretty Speaking relaxed? Of which, you don't already? mind if I use your toothbrush, do you? Of course not. We have spares. So summer's coming to a close now with Labor Day weekend here. Bounding. Yes, it's Traditionally, it runs from Memorial Day to Labor Day, is what I hear. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that, is, that that is the thing that it, people say. Uh, yes, and, and and indeed, people in this very room about forty five minutes ago. Yes, forty five minutes and not seconds ago. But uh, yes, autumn's almost upon us. <laughs> oh, Kit. <laughs> and uh, with autumn almost upon us, that means it's time for me to be wrapping up another novel and sending it off to Sofomulf. At least that's what it's meant for the last five, six years, something like that. Yeah. Go One you. of the rights of October. So I'm currently a little more than two-thirds of the way through Out of Position 2. And at some point, you will hear what the actual title of the book is, but not yet. It is uh, a... Do I know it, or have you changed it? Uh, I don't know. You might know it. It's one of the four or five things I've told you over the past okay. few months. Um, it's it's a great experience, but it's very different from writing in that you really have to be in this mode of looking at the prose and looking at the structure and finding out how does this all flow together and does this sentence actually do what I want it to do? Does this actually belong here? There's a couple times when I'll look at a paragraph and it's not working and it's not working and I'm like, oh, I have to move that sentence up to there and that gives me a better flow to the narrative. And, uh, you know, now multiply that by about 3,000 some yeah. and uh, you've edited a novel. That's how you do a book, people. Yeah. Speaking of which, people were telling me that on the previous episode, they can just hear my hate and rage for Summerhill in my voice. Oh, they're all like, but yeah, he's like, such a nice dog. <laughs> yes, he is a dog. I, I, and he I loves post, otters. I posted a little teaser blurb uh, on my FA and on my live journal, uh, which, disclaimer, may not represent final text, but I did like how that scene had come out, so I posted that. Well, so are you going to read the excerpt from Summerhill again, or are you just not up to that? I figure, you know, we've already had enough, like, furry sex that people are just going to have to settle for missing out on. But, uh... Ah, oh, well. Yeah, I want to make another live journal post a- about... Episode lost forever, you know. I know. Sometimes you can't recapture the magic. Yeah. Like a failed relationship. I, I really thought you put a lot of heart and energy into the Summerhill Climax paragraph, too. Yeah, you know, and, like, 
I was amazed at how unflustered I was. I will never be that unflustered again. I know. It was really, it was really something special. It's tragic. But yeah, no, I, I'm gonna make another. Uh, I, I hope, hopefully, this post will actually be up before this episode is. So maybe I'll be speaking to you back in time. Um, <laughs> I'm in the future, also. <laughs> yes. Uh, basically, about you know, a. I was having a lot of trouble with this story, and uh, actually, both Kyle and Kit helped immensely in helping me to just letting me vocalize what my problems were and that helped me see what was wrong with it. But there's this like big amateur writing piece of advice that I always give people about their stories and I wasn't taking it myself. And then I was just like, uh-huh, oh, that's what my problem is. And so I'll write a whole thing about that. I won't, you know, I, I already talked about this the last time we recorded this episode. And I don't feel like doing it again. So I'll just write it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, totally <laughs> understand. I'm going to be in such shit for this. <laughs> I don't think Kit's even listening to us anymore. First, I've ruined my friendship with Lovejoy. Now I've ruined my friendship with Kit. You're the only person who loves me anymore, Kyle. And I, I love you because of your little impressions of Lovejoy, too. It's a pity he didn't write a letter into this episode. It sure is. <laughs> All right, speaking of letters written into this episode... Oh, and... um. We're still trying to confirm the live show for October 18th, 23rd. Is that what I said? We're trying to confirm for October 23rd. Hopefully by the time this airs, we'll have some kind of confirmation. But check up on Furfinity. Yeah, and we'll make it pretty pronounced. Yeah, we'll tweet about we'll it. We'll make a stuff. pronouncement. We will pronounce a pronouncement. Yes. Um, why don't you read our first letter? I don't think we can read the whole thing again, but let's yeah. just cut it short. In the interest of time, since like this took 20 of our last uh, 47 minutes. Uh, no, this is uh, this is from Roran. So I'm going to boil this down to its, uh, its essentials, like a super concentrate. Super concentrated Roran, who we met at Rocky Mountain Furcon. is a very nice guy, actually. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He does. He actually says in the letter. He's, anyway, read the letter okay. and then... So, greetings and salutations, fine fluffy fellows. Am I fluffy? I think I'm more sleek. You are sleek, but you can be sea, fluffy when you're dry. Sea otters are fluffy. Not so I know much you're not dry otters. very often, but you yeah, can be fluffy when you're dry. God, I'm so wet right now. Um, <laughs> it's Roran again, having finally caught up to your most recent podcast, which is 43 at the time of this writing, which just goes to show how long we sit on our letters sometimes. Almost three months. There are a few things I wish to note, slash say, slash so, slash etc. Here, so here goes. Concerning baller names, do they always need to start with a letter? The fact that so many do is distracting. Were I eventually to be granted one, I'd prefer it to be the, to traipse off the tongue like a player following through others' failed attempts at stealing the ball. Wow, that all sounds dirty. Yeah, well, as we discussed before, sports can often sound quite dirty out of oh, context, yeah. and oftentimes in mm. context. And to answer this, no, baller names don't have to start with a letter. Look at, you know, like Paul Pierce on the Celtics. He's well, the truth. Well, yeah. But I think the whole, well, anyway, the whole point of baller names is kind of shortened and it has a particular meter to it. So it's kind of like, I mean, letter syllable is kind of the format of it. So... I don't know. Or I, unless, I don't quite know what you, I'm unless, saying. Unless you're V6 and then you're an engine. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to ask Behop about that. Behop, if you're listening, right in. Let us know. Let us know what the, f- the magic formula is for baller names. Do you have to be yeah. something really special to have a baller name that doesn't start with a letter? Yeah, because uh, nah, I don't want to wax too unphilosophical about that. But uh, shoot, I, so I was seriously going to make a point that just fell right out of my brain. Yeah, I don't remember what you said about it. It's because I'm so residually still turned on. Um, well, sure. Gotta expect that. Yeah, no. <laughs> you should see living with it. No, um, baller names. Oh, yeah. I was just <laughs> going to point out that uh, I'm glad that like nobody has pointed out that my baller name is just one voiced consonant away from a Kanye West parody song. So, uh, there we go. That'll be our grammatical uh, quiz. If you can understand what that means, you can figure out what I'm talking about. And to continue with Roran's letter. Well, actually, I'm not segueing into much at all. <laughs> there we go. That, the, my segue into your segue is great. Uh, uh, yeah. It's just there you go. It's just conclusioning time now. He said, ignoring the existence of the word concluding. I'm glad to have kept my word and caught up before episode 45. I hope to stay up to date, and there's a chance I'll be able to say hello to you at RMFC. And since we are in the future, we can say thank you for your having done so. Thank you for having been. Done. You will have been able to have done yes. so. I wish all you wish you all luck with life and living, and that's the way it is as of June twenty fifth, twenty ten, which is right at the beginning of summer after Memorial Day. I believe. Yeah, we're uh, once again requiem for a summer. Yes, Roran, whose belly rumbles, and I hope you've gotten something to eat within the last three months, Roran. If not, see a doctor. Yes, and I feel comfortable saying that since it is not a Vore Thursday. <laughs> And, uh, not, yeah, Ron and had, my body's not doused in peach Ron flavored had a whole iced bunch tea. of cute little um, segue things in between his paragraphs, and unfortunately, we just um, we're trying to read a bunch of letters in this show, and we wanted to acknowledge the letter. And um, so, Warren, we appreciate you writing in, and uh, sorry we had to clip some of your text out. But as for the baller names, let's yeah, we shout out to B Hop. Let us know what you think. Yeah, I don't think I've heard one that's not. I mean, the truth is more of a nickname. It's not really a baller yeah. name. If someone wants to give Roran a baller name, if it helps, he's a fox. Oh, is he? Yes. Okay. I believe he is. Right into me if I'm wrong, Roran. I'm pretty sure you're a fox. It's a pretty safe bet in the fandom. <laughs> Are you a fox? Are you a wolf? Are you a fulf? I was listening to a Notcast episode, and some guy had written in with a story about people, and he was like, I'll just call him... I- he didn't want to use the real name, so he's like, I'll just call him Slut Fox, and I'll call the other one Lone Fox. <laughs> and Fuzzwolf was trying to come up with voices for him, which was very entertaining. Um, yeah, so, hello, Fluffy and Slippery Writing Gurus. See there, you're, you're Slippery and I'm Fluffy. Yes. I'm writing a short story, and I've been keeping up with your podcast, as all the talk of writing keeps me motivated. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to record. It does help so much. We're glad to hear that. Yes, we are. While I was writing today, I've noticed that the grammar check is unusually annoying. One of my biggest pet peeves is that it points out fragments, which are almost always work in my narrative if the context is correct. I remember Kyle writing on LiveJournal that he does a lot of writing in open office, and I was wondering, is that why? Do either of you leave grammar check and spelling check on as you type? Why or why not? The adroit muzzled fox wolf, TJ Falf. There we go. I was just saying, you're either a fox or a wolf, or you're a fulf, and where do we go? Yep. Fulf. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. 
I owe you a Coke Zero. Yes, you do. So that is not actually why I use OpenOffice. I like Microsoft Word's Grammar Checker. It is not always – I don't always take its advice. Yeah. But usually the things it points out are good as far as making me think about why I'm doing it that way. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'd be a little cautious of is when you say it points out fragments, which are almost always okay in my narrative. If you're using a lot of fragments, that can be distracting. Yeah. Fragments you can use, but you have to understand why yeah. you're using them. And you have to use them for emphasis in certain situations. Yeah. Like, look at yourself. I mean, are you Hemingway? If you are, like, go ahead. But Hemingway didn't even use fragments. Oh, he all just that used much. really short he sentences. He just used really yeah. clipped sentences. And yeah, um, him and Raymond Carver. Yeah. Uh, personally, I do leave the grammar and spelling check on as I type. Uh, it's because even though OpenOffice doesn't actually doesn't have a grammar check. No, OpenOffice does not. The spelling check catches all the character names and species names and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, but it also catches mistakes. So yeah. I'm used to seeing the little red underlines under character names and stuff, but if I see them under a word that I don't expect, like I was just looking at a passage today that I'd written and there was a little red underline and I was like, oh, I left the L out of wood. W-O-U-L-D, not W-O-O-D. Wald. Wood. Wood. But it's kind of hard to see. All, you know, the font size yeah. that I have is a little small, and so it's helpful to have the spell checker point out that I did spell the word wrong. Yeah. I, uh, I actually don't have a full version of Microsoft Word on my current computer. Um, I use OpenOffice because it's free and not $180. Uh, yeah. Um, but the last version of Word I did use a lot was, I think, Word 2004, um, which is saying something. But uh, a lot of times the grammar checker was just plain wrong. Uh, not uh-huh. always, but there were times where it would like say that you know my subject verb agreement was off, like and it it would just it was just incorrectly parsing singulars and plurals and which doesn't say think that you're smarter than the computer grammar checker, but but look at it if it's yeah. pointing something out and make sure that you know you're doing it right. Right. Um, the other reason I got into the habit of using OpenOffice uh, years ago because the files that it saved were actually smaller than the files Word would save. Yeah, by like a factor of like eight. <laughs> and then having gotten into the habit of using OpenOffice, all my previous documents were in the OpenOffice format. Right. Um, and it also, it seems to boot up a little quicker than MS yeah. Word. It's less clunky. I might go back to Word for when uh, 2010 comes out. Uh, because supposedly 2000, actually I think 2007 can also open open office format, but oh, 2000, be good. 2010 can. Yeah. So might go back to Word, might not. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what's easiest for me to type in. I think open office visually, there's just a few little things about it. The way I can yeah. set up the font page or the way the default font works. Uh, it seems, you know, I've got all my little styles and everything set up yeah. and it's, I don't have to redo it. For Although, them. as of the most recent update to OpenOffice, it did this really annoying thing where it parses words on either side of an M dash as all one word. Oh, yeah. And that drives me nuts. And it didn't do that before. And it also now, like, preferentially, it auto-completes words, which is kind of cool when you get used to it. But 
now for some reason it preferentially autocompletes hyphenated words. Yeah, which is just weird. I think it's just I think like the hyphen is sorted as a as a character that comes before anything else in the hierarchy, which is bizarre. Yeah. But it was yeah, which leads to some uh interesting autocompletions. Yes, it does. In some case. Well before, like there was before it did that, there was one time where if I typed in C O it would try to autocomplete cocksucker in all caps. Oh yeah, well I if I I've said before if I type M O T H like I was writing about someone's mother and it tries to autocomplete it to motherfucker, so <laughs> and I'm not Samuel L. Jackson, so there you go. Our next two letters are about fan fiction, so we're gonna kinda of read them both and then talk about it. So Dear Mr. Gold and Mr. Hirosaki, as you can guess from the subject title, or what Kyle is just saying I am writing today to extrapolate your opinions and thoughts on fanfiction. Have you ever partaken in writing fics, or do you consider fanfic valid as an art, uh, valid, fanfic? Wow, you are flustered. Is this about your, we can cut this, this, right? Is this about your Snapple fanfic again? Yes. Have you ever partaken in writing fics? And do you consider fanfic writing as a valid form of art? Do you think of them merely as a form of flattery, or do they smear and smudge the original with their emulated attempts at expanding the world? Sincerely yours, that insane person who spent his weekend listening to your podcast, K. Richard. P.S. Though I was aware of what constituted a furry, I never really paid much attention to the fandom until I started until I began frequently visiting 4chan. Whilst browsing the fabled B, my interest got hooked by pictures of dog people fucking. A few weeks, a short story by Mr. Gold, and a weekend of podcast listening later, I find myself here. Just thought I'd share the way I found the fandom. Well, again, we seem to be in the welcome to fandom packet. I know. I'm. I approve of that. Yeah. Also, don't don't use 4chan as your gateway to anything. Yeah. <laughs> Came Hirosaki does not recommend 4chan or B as a basis to judge anything. Although, I mean, I did do you know my stint at. Uh, I like to call it like B boot camp. It's like your crash course on like how weird the internet can get. That was a summer many, many, many moons ago. This was a... So it's kind of like, welcome to the internet 201. Sort of. Or it's sort of like, you know, like that thing where it's like, live in New York once, but leave before it makes you hard. Like, right. live in LA once, but leave before it makes you soft. It's sort of like, visit spend, ta- spend time on B, but leave before it ruins your mind forever. Like, I thought I had gotten to the point where nothing on the internet could shock me anymore, and then Fortune proved me wrong. <laughs> Well, let's go on to the next letter, and then we'll talk about stuff a little more. Dear Hirosaki-sama and Mr. Gold, Just as the vibrant wattleflower greets the abounding lush southern spring, I greet you and hope this letter finds you sated with the bounty born of your own sun-kissed surroundings. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to greet you all poetically. And I'm like, hey, I found you through fortune. <laughs> Different letters. I know. I was talking with juxtaposition. <laughs> it would be remiss of me to not applaud your recently passed milestone before telling you of myself. Congratulations. May you continue to enjoy such a selfless pastime. My first letter to you both follows, by no coincidence, your request to hear from the Australian contingent of your avid listeners. I stand proudly among them. To say I enjoy your weekly rambunction would be a gross understatement. Truthfully, so enamored am I that marking the passage of time by your episodic progress has become a habit impossible to shrug. I write now after listening for a year and a day. Forgive me, for I should have written sooner. By your leave, I would pose a question or five. Fan fiction, a contentious subject, is true. 
What, in your opinion, is its place in the world of writing? Do we cast it down as pale imitation, merely voluminous drivel devoid of true inspiration? Or is it to be lauded, supported, a stepping stone to originality and encouragement for all to plant themselves and just write, no matter the subject? By the same token, have any of your own works become subject? If so, what reaction did it, or would it, garner? Should one ask permission before using another's characters? What is considered fair game? When does it become plagiarism? A veritable barrage of questions indeed, but my curiosity is a voracious beast, rarely appeased. I await the next podcast in earnest. Be well and be warm. I hear mountain bunkers are quite drafty. Yours inaugurally, Loki Shepherd. I love inaugural turned into an adverb. That's delicious. And I must say that we were also introduced to another Australian who we heard from today uh, via foosball, a Mr. Steve Hughes, who had some very entertaining views on what it means to be gay and or straight. I want to fuck a bloke. <laughs> no, seriously, I want a big, strong bloke to put his cock in my ass. <laughs> oh, what accent was that? I don't know. South Australia? Kind of South oh. Australia. I don't, think, I, I don't think that's what they sound like in Adelaide. <laughs> I didn't go all the way into my Australian. I had to channel History Channel for a little bit. Yay, Histy. Speaking of fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there. So, yeah, the two big questions were, what do you think of fanfic? Have you ever done a fanfic? And what and is fanfiction's place? Has anyone done a fanfic, fanfic of our of stuff? Our yeah. stuff. People have kind of threatened to do fanfic of my stuff. I don't specifically recall having seen any of it. Yeah. But then again, when people tell me they're going to do it, my first response is, okay, I'm not going to look at it. Yeah. Uh, just not because I don't think they're going to do a good job, but mostly because I still have to write in those worlds with those characters, and I don't want to steal any part of their ideas. Yeah. Um, I have threatened to write fan fiction for a couple of Kyle's things, but I don't know if that really qualifies as fan fiction so much as, hey, I'm going to write a story about your stuff, will you let me? Most of the time when you're writing fan fiction, you're not talking to the original creator and getting their buy-off to do it. Yeah, that that kind of, depending on how you do it, it kind of smacks more of being, you know, shared universe. Like, I wrote yeah. I wrote a story in one of your universes. Yes, you did. And, For uh, that series that isn't online anymore. And I did write, I have written a few fan fiction stories uh, about the Lunatics Unleashed TV series, mm-hmm. which... People actually have continued to write me and ask me to keep writing them, and I just... There's not really any more source material to go on. Well, yeah, I, 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 the problem was I'd kind of built it up to write more of it. Like, there was a lot, there was a plot line, and there was a lot of other stuff that was going to happen, and it, I kind of fell away from it. The second season, even though the second season seemed to have more specifically, like, tech rev slash fodder in it some of it i can't believe wasn't just blatant yeah but the second season was also so terrible that i could not bring myself to watch it in order to even continue if it features to inspire a lie. Me. if you weren't a coyote and a guy i'd kiss you right <laughs> fortunately for me i'm and both it's like oh yes you are um anyway yeah you can find those up on so furry if you're logged in with your adult Viewing permissions yes. as do you um, want to read cartoon porn? Um, what's the first one called? Fast and Curious. Oh God, I don't even remember. 
I think one's called I think one's called Fast and Curious, and then yeah, Conne- Connections is the the two parter one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading at least one of those like on a plane. And I think beat. I think the third one. There's three stories. One of them yeah. had two parts. Connections was two parts. Right. That was and the I long think, one. I think beep beep was another one, or something had beep in the title. I think it was just beep. It might have been just beep. Yeah. Anyway, in case you couldn't glean it from that, it's. Revrunner and Techie Coyote Slash, which is already fun, you know, Roadrunner Coyote, but um, it was a lot of fun to write. and They were fun to read. You know, at some point I might go back and play around with the universe, but I have just so many other ideas that um, I just I haven't had time. Yeah. I've written, I wrote one really short Harry Potter story that wasn't really that slashy, as far as I recall. I haven't done any furry fan fiction, really. I have written fan fiction in the past about things, which are not under either my real name or my fake name, so don't go looking for them. I promise they're not on the internet somewhere that you could still find if you know what internet handle I was using back then. <laughs> I like how your voice gets all high and squeaky. Does it does, does a little squeaky? A little, little bit of a fat chicken? <laughs> a little bit of a... A little bit of a story with characters you didn't create? No. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure it's wonderful. Um, wow, if I... Does my, that count as a fan fiction of Family Guy? Oh, uh, I don't want to think about what that must be like. I bet it's, uh... 4chan. Uh, no. <laughs> my, my personal opinion on fan fiction is... Is it less legitimate of an art form than "quote unquote" real writing? Probably, yeah, kinda. In the sense that, well, eh, like, there's something that I remember reading a while ago from an established author when we were talking to him about. Yeah. I was talking about writing like Star Trek novels or Star Wars novels. Yeah, and he said, generally, if you're an established author, like if you're Robert Haldeman, who's yeah. already famous author who wrote The Forever War, which is a great book. If you're Robert Haldeman and you want to write a Star Trek novel, then people are going to be like, cool, that's how Robert Haldeman would write a Star Trek novel. That was That's yeah. what he'd contribute to the universe. But if you're just a beginning author and you're writing a Star Trek novel as your first ventured work out there, people are going to say, well, why can't this person come up with their own characters? Why can't they come up with their own world? Yeah. So, in a sense, I mean, that's, you know, if... Stephen King came to me and said, hey, I want to write an out-of-position story. I'd be like, don't kill any of my characters, but you can write about Brian. Um, but I'd be like, hey, cool. I can kill Brian for if you want. You know, people... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you could. Um, I wouldn't even have to tell you to kill him. Just like, hey, write a story with Brian in it. <laughs> I wrote you a story. By the way, I kind of sort of accidentally killed your character. Um, Lol, but, sorry. And you know... Ev- the other people who write, it's like, cool, you know, I'm really flattered that people think it's, that my world is interesting enough to write a story in. Um, but if they say, oh, but I want you to read it and appreciate it, I'm like, you know, come up, come up with your own characters if you want to be, if you want to be a writer. I mean, again, it depends on what you're doing. If you're just doing it for enjoyment, because yeah. like, like I did with the Lunatics thing, it wasn't, I didn't have any intention of, of trying to publish the stories or anything. It's just... I enjoyed it. I know people enjoyed the universe, and yeah. I thought they might enjoy my interpretation of it. Um, yeah, Kip brings up Sherlock Holmes. and I've written a Sherlock Holmes story, but I don't know if that counts as 
I guess it does kind of count as fan fiction. Because I mean, Sherlock Holmes at this point is public domain. He's not, actually. He's not? No. I thought he was. He's not. Oh. The character is owned by... Well, that's why for Great Mouse Detective they couldn't use the name. Oh. Um, no, it's owned... The problem is the ownership's contested. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a weird... There was a whole articles about it out on the web that we looked up. So, yeah, technically it's not public domain, but... Um, I was misinformed. Thank you I for don't even, that up. I don't even remember where I was going with that. You know, if you want to write fan fiction for enjoyment, that's great. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily less legitimate of an art form, but... If I will say I don't think you learn as much writing fan fiction as you would writing... Well, that's not true either. I think that it's it gives kind you, of a crutch in it, some ways. It is a little bit, but it's also like... I mean, in that case, you could say that writing a biography is not legitimate because you're not making up your own characters. That's true. Oh, um, unless you are. Um, <laughs> well, right. I, I think but, that for a few people, or you know, some people rather, it's certainly legitimate and sort of a way to sort of like, you know, break yourself in on writing. I mean, look at like somebody like, like Cassandra Clare, who basically right. She, you know, she got her start with fan fiction, Harry and Potter then, fanfic. You know, very widely read fan fiction, and you know then went from there to like omg actual real published writer she's very nice too she is we met her um but i will say if you want to put your yeah i don't know i mean clearly she's clearly if you look at the number of people who have written harry potter fan fiction um which is probably in the six digits by now at least um and then the number of people who had a successful writing career following from that (laughs) her <laughs> yeah it's, it's very small yeah so i would say if you want to establish yourself as a writer make sure that the fan fiction is just something that you're doing yeah. sort of on the side for entertainment value because yeah. you should never look to be publishing it or to make money off of it yeah um, like by the token like if i ever got offered a contract like hey will you write a star wars novel i'd be like yes <laughs> but i'm not going to try to publish star wars fan fiction no but you do it for free probably too eh, maybe there's a lot of furry stuff in Star Wars to go on. Yeah, like on the one hand, I don't want to say like, "Oh, fan fiction is not legitimate writing," but st- stories about gay two-legged animal people are—that's art. But writing hey, about other art is wherever you find it. Exactly. And I may actually—I'm taking back my words about publishing fan fiction because I might end up publishing the Sherlock Holmes story if I can. I may have to change the names a little bit. We'll see. Furlock Holmes. Her, her. You're not allowed to say things anymore. <laughs> Except this next letter. Yes. How's that for a segue? <laughs> Wonderful. Hello, Mr. Hirosaki and Mr. Gold. I must congratulate... Well, you've had like three titles in the letters in this... Uh, I know. Uh, no, I think I'm just Mr. and then I'm Mr. Sama. Mr. and Sama. I'm just Mr. Yeah. But you're also fluffy and slippery. And <laughs> I'm just fluffy. Fluffy and slippery and he's Hirosaki. I can't say... I must congratulate you for a wonderful podcast, which I am happy to listen to and take the uh, much-needed advice from my own endeavors in writing. I am a regular listener, and you, along with NotCast, keep me going through my workday. We get that a lot. That we keep people going through their workday or that they listen to us and NotCast? And keep, this going, keep them going through their workday or their commute or whatever. Well, we're glad that we make commutes and workdays that much easier for people. Mm-hmm. We already discussed what I do on my commutes, apparently. Uh, I have a few questions for you, and I hope you can answer them for me. That was in the original recording of this episode. No, no, it was a week or two ago. 
I wasn't. about like me just well, trying we did to it earlier, earlier. Yeah. Earlier oh no. Yeah. Well, I demonstrated it earlier. Right. We were actually going to do a video podcast, and uh, you guys missed a great, great, great episode. <sighs> what moods do you really like to write in? It always seems to me that I write things that I really like in the end when I am sad or depressed. It's kind of funny, actually, because it's usually more happy and upbeat things, and I can't seem to stay focused when I'm happy. My second question turned problem is kind of interesting. My writing doesn't usually last very long, and what I mean by that is that I try to make my story's plotline stay open, in case I want to dust off an old piece and write a sequel or add another chapter to it, but I can never seem to want to pick it up again. It always, I always end up coming up with something new and writing maybe a short bit about that idea sporadically, and then sitting down and hammering out a good or two or three pages. Does this ever happen to you, and if so, can you ever turn a short story into something longer over a period of time? Like we answered this question last week or the yeah. week before. It's, I was having a sense yeah. of deja vu. That would make us three times we've answered this question. I know. Oh, yeah, and he's talking about acting out scenes in bed. Yeah, did we, did we do this with Lovejoy? Oh, maybe we did. Or did we? I'm all confused now. Cats and dogs and fucking. Uh. I mean, I know we addressed the subject of the question before. We talked about short stories turning longer. Yeah, but that, I that sounded really familiar. But no. Um. But no, I I I think we've just we have a lot of people recently writing us to, or I've been picking the questions recently about, from people saying, yeah. "Hey, can you turn?" What you know? What happens when you get bored with writing your story? Can do you or do you ever yeah. like fill out a story? And because I know you were talking about Summerhill, yeah, and then which you were talking about a short out of position, story into a long one, yeah, which also started as a short story, exactly. Or Waterways, which started as a short story, right? Or Vol, which started as a short story. <laughs> so, anyway, we do sometimes. Uh, the question was from Damian Fox, by the way. It's sort of. Oh, so we did answer yeah, it before. I think that we did already. Oh, uh, sorry, well, we're so we're so flustered after having lost the original recording of this episode that we don't know what episode we're on anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna get the shit beaten out of me. I'm gonna at, walk out of here at, with broken webbing and a at, busted tail. At the very least, the next bottle of wine may not be quite as good as previous ones have been. Hmm, I'm getting, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, vanilla and cherry on the nose and some strychnine on the end. At the opening of the Sydney Bridge Club, they were fishing them out of the sewers every half an hour. Getting back to Australian. You'll, yes, you'll get a nice Australian, Australian table wine. wine. I think, wait, we, we, we only want strychnine if we're trying to get rid of foosball. I can't, yes. Ah, there we go. I, I unfortunately can't remember any of the names that... They used for the Australian God, table wines. Yeah, actually. I actually just like rewatched that skit like a couple the months Melbourne ago. Melbourne Island Yellow, <laughs> <laughs> a fighting wine. <laughs> no, this isn't this, destiny. I just know that you couldn't turn up an opportunity to show up at the tastings of the white wines of Scotland. <laughs> a fighting wine, most restaurants refuse for hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> We're just doing different wine skits now. Yes, we are. Yeah, so I don't know why that. Um, Damien Fox email came back, but we did the very next day <laughs> or two weeks later. But Damien Fox, congratulations. You've gotten read twice on the podcast now. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a holdover letter. Anyway, it was our, it was our intern. Yeah. Oh, the good thing is that when bodies go missing down here in mountain bunkers, nobody ever finds them. That's right. And Kit's now saying the intern is the one who was responsible for us losing the episode too. Oh, damn it. 
After I blew him so well. I know, I know. Oh my god. That was... Those yeah. Why am I blowing the intern? Maybe that's why he. Maybe that's why. There's no good way for me to answer that question. There's no good place for me to take that statement. The intern's just looking shocked now. You're so fired. All right. Well, considering that we, uh, considering that we had a spare question added to the podcast, we're going to just sort of wrap it up. Uh, There was one more thing that I was going to say. Oh yeah, come. uh, Will this be out before rain first? Should, yeah. So come see us at Rain First Friday night, September Friday Rain night Rain around nine PM. And uh we're gonna have a lot of fun. We should have a little surprise for you and we'll, we'll be looking forward to taking your questions. Yes. We will not have another pyramid game set up by then. No, but uh, I think we need to save Pyramid for to space it out, because I'm going to start running out of good ideas for categories. Well, I think we might have to go outside and maybe the next intern we go get... Go outside? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Not literally. I okay. mean, go outside the crew. The next intern we get might be able to come up with some categories, which would be amusing. <laughs> Things um, you do to the not... I mean, the unsheathed... I almost called us not cast. <laughs> That's how flustered I am. Good night and big balls. No, wait. Um, anyway, write to us. Uh, we might, I, I don't know when we'll do the pyramid thing next. Maybe further confusion. Have a good crowd there, maybe. Um, Kit's going to work on it. He's our producer wolf. And he was, we'll also confer on what amazingly wonderful things we're going to do for our live podcast. If you can make it to the Bay Area the weekend of October 23rd. Um, and write to us at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Fur Affinity as Unsheathed. And, you know, I'm Kyle on Fur Affinity and Kyle Gold on Live Journal on Twitter. And I'm just Cam Hirasaki on all of those fancy wang dang doodles. Well, that's the fanciest wang dang you've ever doodled. Oh, well, yeah. Another thing you didn't get to see. Sorry, folks. <laughs> and as always, keep writing. Good night, Gracie.